2 Peter 3, verses 8 to 10. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. I can't think of anything more adorable than how Barrett Fisher says to Peter. To Peter. Uh, to Corinthians. Yes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Not second I'm glad point. you find me adorable. I do find you adorable. Thank you. Um, yeah, I love it. So we're in Second Peter, aka Two Peter. Two Peter. Um, and uh, this is a really jam-packed couple of verses. It's just eight, nine, and ten today. Um, but man, we have you know this this like the heavens passing away with a roar, the heavenly bodies being burned <laughs> up. Um, but then also this. Uh, this idea of how God relates to time, mm-hmm. which is like, don't think about about that too long, <laughs> especially late at night. Mind uh, blowing. Yeah, yeah, that'll keep you up. <laughs> and then uh, also this uh, idea that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, but he's being patient because he doesn't wish that any should perish. And um, man, it's uh, I would say our work is cut out for us, but like it's uh, there's no way we can accomplish all of it um but it's so much uh so much richness and i think like just these passages make me love god and and trust the bible because the whole notion of like who could have curated this belief system right you know i know the and that's like the thing about the bible to me is you just read it and it's like man who could have like how could a group of men have come up with such a paradoxical yet beautiful and compelling and head scratching yeah uh you know system of truth that in one sense it's like the ultimate source of comfort for the simple and yet it's also you know very uncomfortable for everybody of every culture and it doesn't matter how you're predisposed or anything like yeah god will comfort you but also confront you yeah and um you know i i uh, i haven't read the bible as much you know i haven't spent as much of my life reading the bible as many of our elders and probably people listening to this right now mm. um but as i have you know kind of read scripture over and over um as i've grown in god um one of the things that has kind of it, it began as like a joke but it's actually kind of become a serious part of my views is uh you know there's we have all these different schools of thought around like reading scripture like you have like mm-hmm. oh i'm a calvinist i'm an arminian right like i'm a dispensationalist or whatever mm-hmm. and uh basically like a lot of times what that can kind of devolve into is like and, and of course like this is a very nuanced statement so just give me grace but <laughs> what it can sometimes devolve into is like, this is the portion of scripture that I'm really comfortable with. And this is the part of scripture that I kind of explain away 
or just don't really talk about. Dude, I don't think that's super nuanced. I think that's like <laughs> just true. Yeah. And so, uh, yes. So, you know, I, I've started to call myself a mysteriologist. It's like, I don't know if I'm a Calvinist or a whatever, well, but I, I appreciate the teachings of these different people, yeah. but at the end of the day, I think what the Bible clearly presents is God is a mystery. And even in this passage of second Peter, um, there's this idea that there is a God who will bring destruction on and vengeance on evildoers, but he does not delight in their death, Mm. which is from Ezekiel. He does not delight in the death of the wicked doers or second Peter. He's not wishing or willing that any should perish. So like there's this God of destruction who does not wish for destruction, but there's also like this God of peace who will not, you know, he will not circumvent destruction. Right. So uh, it's, it's an amazing mystery that's being presented today, but Barrett, Barrett, what are you, what are you thinking over there as we jump into this? Well, I mean, one response to something you were saying is that I oftentimes remind people like when I teach this story class here at Christ Covenant or whatever, that the Bible is not, a systematic theology book. Amen. Yeah. Um, and it, it's actually very freeing because as, as uh, I always say 21st century Americans or whatever, you know, modern day, like Western educated people, we want something that's like totally explainable, you know, and we sometimes live under the illusion that like science has everything organized and like all wrapped up, yeah. but they keep finding like new things yeah, all, yeah. every day. Um, but we like for things to be neat and tidy and packaged and the Bible is not one of those things. And so sometimes, and I I always, I joke around with some of the guys on staff about like the dangers of systematic theology and the dangers is, is what you're saying is like you lay out everything, but you kind of lay out everything that you're comfortable with in scripture. You feel like is very, um, knowable or, you know, is, is easily discernible. And and then you come to passages like this and you're like, the I don't know. Maybe we'll put this in a footnote yeah, like in, yeah, the, yeah. in the systematic theology book. But I, I, I love it too, because I, I think it just shows like like God is this like otherworldly, I mean literally, like otherworldly being that is so high above us. And um I mean, I think you're right. Like part of it is that in scripture we do see like the simple gospel of, you know, we are sinners and Jesus came and sacrificed his life so that we could have life and so that we can enjoy, you know, his presence forever. And and that is like something like so simple and so sweet and something that, you know, even five, six, seven, eight year olds can like grasp onto Mm -hmm. and and believe in their hearts. Uh, and, and, And then it is like this treasure that you just keep like digging and digging and digging and you like never reach the bottom of this treasure. Yeah. And and you can explore it like for a whole lifetime or for a thousand lifetimes. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I think a passage like this is kind of pointing us to that. So I think that was a, a pertinent point that you were making. Um, because there is, you know, with the Lord one day is, is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. It's like, what? Mm. you know so obviously there's you know god has some kind of different relationship with time like you were saying 
And and that is like a total head scratcher if you start to get into that. Yeah. You know, what what actually is time? I mean, is time actually, you know, the earth revolving around the sun you know yeah like what oh yeah like what actually is time you know is it the fact that like darkness comes and then light comes and then darkness comes and light comes you know and so there's a there's a whole lot there um but i mean i I do love how you you pointed out that it, it states here that that god does not wish that any should perish but that all should reach repentance and so this is one of these verses that i don't think it needs to we don't need to build an entire theology around this or probably more accurately an entire soteriology like the the study of salvation Mm -hmm. we don't need to build our whole study of salvation around this one verse or else we might think well god doesn't want any of to perish he wants all to come to repentance that means that all will repent and be saved or or whatever i don't think that's what this verse is saying but Mm -hmm. we do see something of the heart of god here Mm. that he is not this as oftentimes seems to be painted this God who's kind of standing up, you know, arms crossed, shaking his head, you know, can't believe what's going on down on earth and kind of zaps people when they do bad. Uh, like if that is your view of God, then I would say it's not a scriptural view. And I, I think, I think it's more of this like loving father that's like leaning into us and like wanting us to turn from our sinful ways. Yeah. And, and he's wanting, I mean, as it says here, that all should reach repentance, yeah. that all should come to the point of saying, I am wrong. And like the way I've lived my life is wrong. And I yeah. want to turn and I want to, I, I want to now be, you know, in the arms of the father. Yeah. Um, so it's, I mean, passages like this, it, it, it helps us to kind of like get outside of these like very strict theological packages and to, to realize like, man, there is, there is so much to God that we can learn mm-hmm. and we've got to take in all this stuff to try yeah. to comprehend and try to understand who this amazing God actually is. Dude, amen. I, I think it's so important when we talk about God's judgment uh, to sort of like define our term as well. Um, you know, the Bible really clearly equates sin with destruction. Like sin is a destructive force mm. fundamentally. Mm. And so it it destroys your soul first and foremost. You know, it, it, uh, it leads you to making self-destructive decisions. It also just like hardens you and, and, uh, gives you unhealthy desire. Like it, it's a self-destructive force. Also it's outwardly destructive. It, it ruins relationships. And, um, you know, I think anybody of any belief system would agree that, um, you know, making selfish decisions all the time will destroy your relationships with your family and with your mm. friends. Anyone who wouldn't agree with that is probably in the process of doing that sadly. Um, and, and so, when we talk about like the destruction of people who choose uh, wickedness, mm. like the ultimate destruction of people who choose sin, it's this idea of, and you know, Paul kind of gets into it in Romans one, but it's, it's this giving over. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a type of, of discipline where it's not just like God is like, Oh, you know, there was like a red pill and a blue pill. You chose the wrong one. Right. And now I'm going to like crush you and torture you for infinity. Right. But it's, you chose destruction, so you will get destruction. Yep. Which is really, really sad and sobering. But like, what that should help us do is understand like the justice of God, mm-hmm. and uh, especially like in conversations, um, you know, like when when it kind of comes to real life sin issues and, and like lifestyle issues, um, 
God did not like create a strict rule system so that there would be this criteria um, to like get people outside of it mm. and like crush them. Mm. But that the the ethics system of scripture, the morality of the way of Jesus, it's the road to flourishing. It's the road away from destruction and every other way is destructive. Mm. And so, you know, God's heart is for people made in his image to flourish. Um, and yet like that he is not devoid of, of justice, you know, and that there, there will be that like final point uh, of, you know, where sort of the cards are dealt out. Hmm. And um, that, that should give us like, if, if we see that God's heart is not for people to, to choose destruction and yet people are choosing destruction, that should like give us a missional heart, you know? Hmm. Like if our heart is actually aligned with God's, we, we won't have indifference towards people who are, you know, kind of making shipwreck of their life. Um, but it'll actually fill us with compassion. And, and I think one of the, like the primary ways is right here in the passage. It's verse nine. God's not being slow to fulfill his promise, but he's being patient toward you. And that is so powerful to me, the idea yeah. of God's patience. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'll talk about this like in our calls to worship sometimes on Tuesday nights. But one of the most worshipful, like catalytic sort of thoughts for me that just like sends me straight to the cross, ready to worship the Lord is when I consider how patient he has been towards me in my life. Um, and there've just been so many moments um, where in my foolishness, like I, I, totally could have and should have made an absolute wreck of my life and, and ruined my life. And yet God has been patient and yeah. that he's, he's given me time to mm -hmm. repent, to walk with him. Mm -hmm. And now as he tarries, as he doesn't return in the very moment that we're in, um, these, every moment is marked by the patience of God for people to turn towards him in repentance. Yeah. That's great, man. So it's powerful. I, I love it, man. That is that is so great. The patience of the Lord. I mean, another thing that yeah, which I mean, if you view God like that, and I think this is what I was saying is like your view of who God is starts to change. Yeah. And like we need to allow scripture to change our view of God. So look at verses like two Peter three. Uh, verse nine that says that he's patient toward you mm -hmm. and, and it, it will start to change your view of who God is, that he's actually this patient God. Yeah. He's this patient, loving father that, that wants to see you uh, come along. But as you say, if we turn ourselves to destruction, like Romans one uh, says, you know, he will give us over to those things. So yeah. I think that's a great point. Um, you know, we didn't even get to verse 10. I feel like we need to wrap it up but um, didn't even get to verse 10. Yeah. And, you know, that's another one of these. I, I kind of addressed it yesterday with verse seven of this same chapter, uh, talking about the earth kind of being burned up or the heavenly bodies being burned up. And so I, I would say to our listeners out there, um, read this verse and then kind of think of it in light of like other scripture. I mean, specifically, I'm thinking of like a Revelation 21 you know, where the, the, the city is coming down out of heaven to this earth. So it seems like in the end times, this earth isn't actually gone. It's not actually burned up. And I, I would, I personally would hold that view that I think that 
God has like a long-term purpose for this physical earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so anyways, those type things do matter yeah. for how we live today, but uh, give some more thought to those, but we probably need to keep moving on Let's ODR. Let's keep moving, baby. Yeah. All right. For the great Barfaccio, the fish, the beloved barfish of Christ's covenant, Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> this is Will Carlisle. And dang it, you better believe we'll see you tomorrow on Our Our Daily Daily Rhythm. Rhythm. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.